This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, before I get into what we're going to speak on today, I just want to give you some reminders of some things that are going on this upcoming week. Today is Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus strolled right on into Jerusalem. A great reference to that is Psalm 118.25. It says, Save now, which means Hosanna, Hosanna. And so we, we celebrate that today. Years past, we've done stuff on Palm Sunday. We're going to go a little different today. Tomorrow evening at, at sunset is the start of Jewish Passover, okay? And so that's a big, big thing that goes on in the Jewish community. It's awesome even as Christians to look at the significance of this coming week. Now remember this with Jesus. When he strolled into Jerusalem there, he knew what would take place later on in the week. He knew that he would die and he knew how he would die. Now, tomorrow evening in the West Coast will be met by a lunar eclipse that you'll see at the blood moon. And the rest of the United States, I believe it'll be sometime early Tuesday that you'll see it, okay? There's going to be four of these within the next 17 months. Now, listen to some of these dates. You may mark these down. The next one will occur on October 8th of 2014. The next one will occur next year, April 4th, 2015, the start of Passover. And the last one will be September 28th of 2015. This has not happened, okay? This is going to mark a lot of things, I believe. It's referenced in Genesis. It's referenced again in uh, the book of Joel, chapter 2. It says the second coming of Jesus will be marked by these. So I'm, I'm not here to say that Jesus is going to show up. I don't know. The Bible says that no one knows that, but the day will come when these blood moons will mark that. And so I believe we're in some interesting times. We'll have our midweek Wednesday service. Our teenagers have a big night that night. And I want to highlight our teenagers, okay? The pro football player Manny Ramirez will speak to them. Then we come into Friday, which is Good Friday. We're having a Good Friday here, a service here, and I encourage you to come out. It'll start at 7. From 7 to about 7.30, we're going to have praise and worship. I'm going to speak briefly about the crucifixion of Jesus in Matthew. Then we're going to give you the opportunity to be dismissed. The reason we're going to give you the opportunity after that, we're going to have an in-depth presentation of really about the crucifixion of Jesus. And the reason I'm warning you about this, with your little guys, there will be little, little clips of the passion of Christ. can be very gruesome. I believe it's important, though, guys, that every one of us, whether young or old, we understand the significance of what happened to Jesus. That He paid a huge price for us. That will go approximately 40 minutes, okay? So you're going to be out of here by 8.15. It's going to be a great night, okay? Don't miss it. It will minister to your heart. Then next Sunday, guys, is Resurrection Sunday. You know, when Jesus died on the Good Friday, He died with an earthquake. But when He arose on Sunday morning, it was with an earthquake. So bring your family members. We're going to to have an earthquake in here next week. We're going to be ready for the kingdom of God. And so that's this week and next week. Today we're on servanthood, all right? Our last uh, talk on the GPS, we've been on this for seven weeks now. We've talked about the vision of the church. The thing for every believer, I don't care how old you are as a believer, you're called to give, you're called to pray, and you're called to serve, okay? 
Now this morning, guys, my goal is not to be condemning in any way, okay? But this is a wake-up call. And a lot of times when you preach on stuff like this, people get uncomfortable, okay? That's not me that's going to make you feel that way. That's the Holy Spirit, all right? So go with me to, to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's begin in verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, who gives us the victory? Father God does. And how did He do that? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus came to this earth, guys, He had an assignment. The assignment was to destroy the works of darkness and that He would overcome the grave and death. Jesus completed or He fulfilled His assignment. Me and you have an assignment, and it's found in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. That's steady. Be movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor or your work is not in vain in the Lord. Now, did you catch that part? It says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That verse is cross-referenced to Matthew 25, chapter 25, verse 29. In that verse, it basically says, that whatever your giftings, your talents, your abilities are, if you don't use them, you'll lose them. So it could be termed this, use it or lose it, okay? That's God's desire. But the work of the ministry, that we abound in it. Listen to some different translations in that verse. The New International Version says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. The New Living says that we're to do that enthusiastically. I ought to be excited about the work of the Lord. You ought to be excited about that opportunity. Turn over one, one chapter to chapter 16, verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul talking, and he says, For a great and effective door has been opened to me. In that passage there, the, the uh, New American Standard says, For a wide door for effective service. A great door for effective work has been opened to me and you. So when we go through this life, there's going to be doors of opportunity to minister, to serve for the kingdom of God. That'll open to every one of us. Now he goes on to say this, and there are many adversaries. What is an adversary? An adversary is something that calls it adversity. Tries to stop you. Some of the adversity that we experience as believers is tests, trials, and even tears. So there's things that will try to keep you from going through that effective door of opportunity. Verse number 10. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. Now this guy, Timothy, he was a young minister, guys. But what I see here is God is not limited by age, okay? God's not moved by how old you are or, or how young you are, okay? Actually, God's just looking for people who make themselves available. So he talks about Timothy. And then look what he says here. For he does the work of the Lord as I also do. He sincerely cares for your state is what uh, Philippians 2.20 says. So when I read this, not only did Paul do the work of the Lord, and not only did Timothy do the work of the Lord, But me and you are called to do the work of the Lord. We are called to be Jesus' hands. We are called to be Jesus' feet right here on this earth. We used to sing this song, and it went like this. Lord, if you can use anything, you can use my hands. 
Lord, if you can use anything, you can use my feet. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. Because if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Now, if you hadn't figured this out, the way God operates on this earth is through people. That's how God's kingdom is advanced right here on the earth. That's why every one of us in this room are called to serve. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And as you're turning there, I want to give you an analogy that I think will help you. If you ever want to develop your muscles, or if you ever want to create energy in your life, what do you got to do? You got to do something. You don't get muscle mass by sitting in your lazy boy watching MASH, okay? That's not how muscle mass... And you don't get energy by doing nothing. You get energy by giving energy. So really what we're talking about is what you sow is what you reap. When you sow energy, you're going to get energy. Well, it's the same with servanthood. Now, I believe in this passage here in Luke 5, you will see that servanthood releases some things that only servanthood can release. And I've studied this and I've studied this, and just in the last year has this really come alive to me. Look with me in Luke 5. Let's begin in verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that Jesus stood by the lake again in the Sard of the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, sat down, and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all, and they followed him. Now, when I read this, our life as believers, guys, isn't just for me to be saved, and that's it. I'm not to do nothing else. No, when I get saved, guys, every one of us in this room are called to to discipleship, to be disciples of Christ. Every one of us in this room are called to be fishers of men. Every one of us are called to evangelize. And every one of us are called to be servants, to be kingdom-minded, okay? And when I become kingdom-minded, guys, some things begin to happen. Now, to really understand this a little further, we got to go back, and I'm going to tell you, we're going to break it down verse by verse, okay? Look back with me in verse 1. So it was as the multitudes pressed about him to hear the word of God, they stood by the lake again in the sorrow. Now, think about this just real quickly here. Jesus was all about people. The multitudes were pressing about him. And if you'll note in there, Jesus didn't say, get off me, get away from me. I don't want nothing to do. 
Jesus was always about people. And remember, our, our main text in this last week was Matthew twenty twenty eight, where Jesus said this, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So Jesus right here is, is presenting himself as a servant. Now let me give you a, a quick verse here that I believe will help you. Proverbs 14, 4 says, Where there are no oxen, the trough is clean. Where there are no people, the trough is clean. But when you get the oxen, you get the stuff, okay? So going along with the oxen, you're going to have some, some things that are going to come up anytime you deal with people. If you want your life to be clean, you can be clean. Don't ever be around people. But your life will be meaningless and it will be useless without the opportunity to serve and help other people. Our lives as believers should be characterized by servanthood. Who said that? Jesus did. Okay? Verse 2. And Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Okay, so let's, let's stop right here and think about this. Jesus gets into this boat, and it was Simon Peter's. And he asked him to put out a little bit from the land. Why? Why did Jesus ask him to do that? Because Jesus wanted to minister to the people. He wanted to have the opportunity to preach the Word to them. Now this passage, guys has servanthood written all over it, okay? About building the kingdom. Many times when it comes to servanthood in our lives, we don't know what to do. There's times that you may say, I want to serve, but I don't know what to do. Well, in Exodus 4, Moses said to, to the Lord, he said, listen, I'm not eloquent. Actually, Moses had a problem with stuttering. And you know what the Lord said to him? What's in your hand? What's in your hand? And so really when I, I talk about that, I believe Moses' actual calling was screaming at him. What was in Peter's hand? His boat. And so when you look at this, many, many times with the Lord's work, he's just looking for availability. He's looking for people that will, will step up to the plate here. And so now, as Jesus asked Peter to do something here, I want you to think about Peter's life. And as we go through this story, you'll see it all come. It'll become clear and clear. Peter was tired. Peter was hungry. Peter was busy. But don't you think Jesus knew all that? I believe Jesus knew Peter's day. I believe Jesus knew he was hungry. He was tired and he was busy. But I want you to note something here. Even though Jesus knew that about Peter, he didn't give him an exemption. He didn't excuse him. Actually, he said, come and serve me. Now, this inconvenienced Peter, guys. But I go back to where we were a minute ago, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. And it says, many doors of opportunity will be opened to you. This was a door of opportunity for Peter to go through. But you know what the adversary was in his life? He could have very easily looked at Jesus and said, Listen, pal, I'm hungry. I've worked all day. I've got a schedule. How dare you inconvenience me? But you know what Jesus was asking Peter to do? Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. 
And all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God, even in the way you serve. Okay? So keep reading here. Let's go back and look at verse 3. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. So what Jesus asked Peter to do to help him, he asked Peter to row. He asked Peter to row the boat. Now listen, guys, in those days, they didn't have a Johnson outboard motor. Peter didn't whine back. No, he physically rowed him back, okay? And so right here, he had to do something. Just like me and you, we got to do something. Luke 16.10 says this, If you're faithful in the little, you'll be faithful in the much. I want you to note something there, the order that Jesus said that. If you're faithful in the little, you'll be faithful in the much. But you know what? A lot of people never make it to the much because they're not faithful in the little. And this is exactly what he was getting to right here. What's so important about, about faithfulness, even in the area of servanthood? Well, I believe, first of all, that when you become a servant, it squashes the me syndrome. You know what the me syndrome is? It's all about me. I'm selfish, selfish, selfish. Now, I could take you to a passage in Luke 15, and you may want to write this down for your own reference. This is a story about the prodigal son. When the prodigal son left his father, you know what he said? He said, give me. Give me, give me, give me, okay? When the prodigal son came back to his father, you know what he said? Make me a servant. Make me a servant. So servanthood number one, it squashes the me syndrome. Life isn't just about me, okay? Number two, servanthood breeds character. It causes to be a humbleness about me. And you know what character is? It's a follow-through. Character develops integrity. You know what the follow-through is? You'll do what you've said you've done. You know what that means? You're on time, and you show up, and you're ready to go. Now, one of the most saddest things in our society is when you see people that have got a lot of talents, gifts, and abilities, but they have no character. Character will get, or, or your talent will get you there, but only character will keep you. And so the person that has no character, they have no follow-through. And because they have no follow-through, they live a life of excuse. You know what they tell you? All about what they used to do. Well, I used to do this when I was a sixth grader. Well, you're 35 now. See, even in Peter's life, Jesus didn't know what he used to do. Jesus was basically saying, Peter, what are you going to do right now? I believe he still asks us those questions. And you say, wow, that identifies me. Are you so caught up with you? And do you not have enough character to do what Jesus has asked us to do? Let me give you another verse that will really help you there. Zechariah 4.10 says, Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't resent the day of small beginnings. You know what that means? Think about King David, guys. When King David started out, before he was ever a king, you know what his job was? To tend the sheep. Wasn't real prestigious, but when you're faithful in tending the sheep, you'll be faithful as a king. 
When you're not faithful in tending the sheep, you'll never be the king. That hurt, didn't it? Keep reading with me, verse 4. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the depth, the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. Now here's what I begin to see out of this. These next few verses really came alive to me. Up to this moment, everything that Peter had done for Jesus was a test. And Jesus was paying attention to the test. Now, you know what a Jesus test is? You've got two options. You either pass or you fail. And the test here that, that Peter was going through, will you serve whenever, wherever, and however? Okay? That was the test that he was going through. And if you'll notice something here, Jesus didn't ask Peter, does this inconvenience you? He didn't ask Peter, does this violate your schedule? If you'll notice, he didn't ask Peter, are you called to row? Because a lot of people, when you ask them to do something, they'll say, I'm not called to that. But Jesus never asked him any of that. Jesus gave him the opportunity to serve, and then he watched what Peter did. Now, here's what's interesting about this passage right here. I don't know how many people here got born again, got healed, or got delivered. All I do know from this passage is there was a multitude there. Now, you can go back and follow Jesus' life. Everywhere he went, people were saved, people were healed, and people were set free. Why am I telling you that? Because right here, there were two types of blessings. There were eternal blessings, and there were earthly blessings. I want you to see these things. Some stuff's going to really start jumping out here, okay? Look with me in verse number 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled, worked, worked our buns off all night, and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. This is a description of faith right here. Okay? Peter's livelihood was fishing. He fished for a living. He knew what the fishing report was, and they had caught nothing up to that point. And so if you'll get what Peter said, he said, Nevertheless, at your word, I'll obey. What is he telling us? Well, the definition of faith here is, I must put the word of God above my experiences. I must put the word of God above my circumstances. See, a lot of times when you deal with the word of God and you deal with people, they'll always throw in, but... But my circumstances is difficult. My circumstances are harder than everybody else's. But if I would just get to this point in my life where I'd say, nevertheless, no matter what my experiences are, no matter what my circumstances are, I'm going to believe the Word of God. I'm going to trust the Word of God. That's a word for some of you right now that are in predicaments in your life. Quit living by excuses, okay? You're not the exemption to life's rules. The Word of God will work for every one of us. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. You know what I see in this right here? 
Jesus wanted to bless Peter. He wanted to bless Peter bad. And you know why? Because Matthew 6.33, Peter sought the kingdom of God. He served. He put God's kingdom above everything else in his life. He put God's kingdom above being tired. He put God's kingdom above being inconvenienced. And do you see what Jesus did right here? So when Peter served Jesus with his time and his resources, Jesus blessed him. Now let's think about what Peter did here just for a second. He rowed the boat. Row, row, row your boat. And that seemed pretty insignificant. That wasn't real prestigious. And a lot of times that's what keeps people from serving God, is I don't want to do it if it's not prestigious. I don't want to do it if it's not significant. But think about this. In Jesus' eyes, it was significant. In Jesus' eyes, it was prestigious. Jesus saw what Peter did, and he saw how he did it. I'm going to throw something at you right now. How many of those people that were in the multitude even saw what Peter did? How many of them even noticed what Peter did? Maybe a few. I would be willing to bet probably none of them even saw what Peter did. Colossians 3.17 says this, And whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus. And you know what that tells me right there? When I do in word or deed, even in servanthood, and I do it as unto the Lord, Jesus sees me. And the reason I'm telling you that, because a lot of times when you do stuff as far as servanthood, people don't even notice. You may never even be thanked. Now, I want to thank all of you who serve here today. But listen, if you're out for the reward of applaud from man, it may never come. But when you do it and you do it unto Jesus, Jesus notices. Jesus notices. This became huge to me, where I got to quit worrying about what people say to me or don't say to me. Verse 7. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now, it's very easy when you read this to say, well, I wish I had net breaking miracles. And I wish I had boat sinking miracles or boat sinking blessings in my life. Rewind, 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 rewind. How did all this take place? When Peter made the choice to serve. Once again, only servanthood releases some things. And I looked, when he served... Jesus released incredible blessings upon him. I don't believe he's a respecter of persons. I believe he still does those things. Verse 9. Verse 8. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know what gets Peter? He sees the reality of the miracle. He sees the reality of the blessing. This is a guy who fished for a living. 
And he knew that whole day the fish weren't biting. The water pressure was horrible. And so this touched his heart. But yet, not only did it move his heart, I believe Peter realized when I served him, stuff happened. Verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they were taking. They were astonished. And you know what? They're asking Peter, what's your secret? And Peter was like, listen, boys, it's not about the boat and it's not about the bait. But it's about servanthood. When you get over and become kingdom-minded, Jesus takes notice. And when Jesus takes notice, I'm telling you, there's blessing. Verse 10. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when that statement right there, from now on, you'll catch men, you know what I see here? Jesus is telling them, there's more than just going to work every day. There's more than just you making a living. There'll be people that will be in heaven because of what you've done. And in this passage here, there were two major miracles. Number one, the miracle of the fish, the earthly blessing. And number two, the miracle of all those people that got saved that day that will be in eternity because Peter chose to serve. Now, Jesus takes notice of that. And I promise you, when, when we get to heaven, there's going to be people up there that are going to look at you and say, thank God you served in the nursery. Thank God you ushered. Thank God you did this and this and this and this. The worst thing in my life is to think that when this thing called the world ends and everybody's in eternity and someone looks at me and says, if you would have just done this, if you would have just served here. See, I think so many times we don't look at the significance of servanthood right here. Why? Because many times we're self-focused. Many times it's always about me, 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 me. But what about the kingdom of God? You know, we got, we got a couple of them here right now, and I see them sitting here together. Vicki Woods' dad, D.F., and, and Lori George's mom, Caroline. They are both on their last days here on earth. They're not going to be here much longer. And I look and I think, they've run the race. They've run the race. I think, man, what great saints and everything. But when I get to the end of my life, can I look and say, did I run the race? Or was everything about me? When it was convenient for me. Now go with me to one more scripture. Mark chapter number 9. Mark 9. I knew this would be popular. I woke up at 3 this morning and I said, Oh, Lord, if you've never spoke the Word of God to a group of people, I'm going to tell you, sometimes the Lord will play, man, I'll play tug-of-war with Him. And it's not pleasant to play tug-of-war with God when you look and say, Lord, I'm not going to do that. Because when I teach on stuff like that, they all get mad. Well, you know what I've come to the conclusion? Go ahead and get mad. I didn't write the book. He did, okay? And if this makes you uncomfortable, oh, well... Read the book, because we're all called to servanthood. Now, I can tell you this right now. We have, we have people within our church that there, there is, there's a lady who, I guess she's probably serving right now. She has served in our five-year-old classroom for seven years. 
Seven years. And you know right now she doesn't have any kids. She hadn't had kids in that classroom for years. But she continues to serve. And guess who serves with her now? Her daughter and her son. That's Brenda Braddock. That's who that is and her kids. I applaud people like that. I applaud the Kim Cassis. I applaud ones. Look at this passage. I want you to see something here. Mark 9, verse 27. Mark 9, verse 33. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves, Who would be the greatest? And so the disciples were yakking at each other. Who's going to be the greatest among us? Now look what happens here in Jesus' reply. And he sat down, called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone desires to be first or the greatest, he shall be last of all and a servant of all. And you know what I said? This is leadership in, in a totally different perspective than we've ever looked at it. It's not about a high position. It's not about how I can be honored. It's not about how I can be be noticed or seen. It's to be a servant, to be last. And this was his cry for every one of us here. And you know what I see in this? I'm not above any job. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it. And look how he ends. Then he took a little child, set him in the midst of them, and when he had taken in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And you know what this is? This is to render service to ones we look at as insignificant. And right here when he talks about this, when we do it in the name of Christ, we're doing it for his sake. And actually we are rendering service to him. When we serve on ones that everybody else views as insignificant. You know, every church in America right now has an issue getting children's workers. Do we have issues here? Yeah, we do. And actually, Miss Cynthia was telling us the other day, we don't have enough workers for Easter. Now, one side of me wanted to just say, well, you know what? Maybe I'll let someone else speak that day and let me go in there and serve. Because it really irritates me, guys, because we're not, we're not running an entitlement service around here where you drop your kids off and let everybody else take care of them. Who do you think's watching your kids? You're pretty passionate about this, aren't you? I am. I am. In other words, if you've got kids in there, get your blessed assurance in there and begin to help and serve, okay? Because we're not running entitlement around here. And I mean this the best I can. We've got ones that serve every week, every week. They get called out of service. It was on a Wednesday night not long ago. One of our dads, who doesn't even have kids in the three-year-old classroom, they came and got him on a Wednesday night. And it could have been very easy for him to look and say, Listen, pal, I don't even have kids in there. Man, it got quiet in here. You're fired up, aren't you? I am. I mean, I believe God's wanting us to have a a, a great church. And to have a great church, it takes people. And I'm not asking you to serve every week. But I am asking you to do something. 
to get busy. I told you it wasn't going to be real pleasant. And if I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. My goal isn't to hurt your feelings. My goal is just to say, we're called to servanthood, guys. And it isn't real fun to get up here and do this. You know what I'd rather be able to do? Just stand up here and tell you how God wants to bless you. He will bless you when you serve. He will bless you. And so we've got to step up. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.